Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. We're so glad that you're a part of our service today, this Father's Day 2021. Well, we're continuing our series in the book of Jonah, and we're looking at chapter two. If you have a Bible, you want to follow along, turn to chapter two. But last week at the end of chapter one, we left Jonah. He is inside of a big fish. Now, you might think that that is impossible, but the Bible tells us that all things are possible with God. Fish stories are things that fishermen often tell. And we've got a number of guys around Northeast that love to fish and I would assume are prone to telling fish stories. Now, a fish story has, the fish story has been around since man first dropped his line into the water or threw a net over the side of a boat. The fish story is That concept has come to imply that something isn't true. Specifically, the fish story has a lot of falsehoods in it. And because fishermen have been known to embellish the size of the one that got away, right? Well, you may have heard or read this past couple weeks about a remarkable fish story about a man who was diving, who was swallowed by a whale. A commercial lobster diver says he was swallowed whole by a humpback whale just off the coast of Massachusetts on Friday, June the 4th. Michael Packard, 56-year-old man, is, is the diver. He said he was in 45 feet of water when the attack occurred. And I quote, all of a sudden... I felt this huge shove, and the next thing I knew, it was completely black. I could sense I was moving, and I could feel the whale squeezing with the muscles of his mouth, he said. I thought to myself, there's no way I'm getting out of here. I'm done. I'm dead. Packard said he thinks he was in the whale's mouth for about 30 seconds. And he was able to breathe because he still had his breathing apparatus from being, having, di- having been diving before. In an effort to save himself, Packard said he started from the inside shaking the whale's head. And then all of a sudden the whale went up to the surface and just jettisoned him out. He got thrown in the air and splashed down into the water. Packard's crewmate saw the whale spit him out and was able to pull him out of the water. I don't know about you, but I think that's an awesome story. I hope it's true. I hope it's not a classic fish story. I hope it's true. Well, that's where we, that's where we were in chapter two. In essence, Jonah had a similar experience. He is, though he is still in the belly of the fish, Let's do a quick review. Jonah was called by God to go to Nineveh and preach against the wickedness there. The Assyrians were a barbaric people, and Jonah had deep animosity toward them. So he rebelled against God's call, and he went instead to the port city of Joppa, and he got on a ship bound for the city of Tarshish, clear across the Mediterranean. Once the ship left port, a violent storm hit. The ship's crew were a superstitious bunch of sailors. 
And thus they cast lots to determine who's responsible, who's the cause of this storm. Well, the lot fell to Jonah and the sailors asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? And Jonah's reply was, throw me in the sea and it'll calm down. And that's what they did. And then we read Jonah, the first chapter, verse 17, it says this. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And that brings us to where we are today. We pick the story up in chapter two, which chapter two is actually a poem. It's written like poetry. And so this is a record of Jonah inside of the whale. And we start with verses one and two. It says, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. Being inside a huge fish, Jonah has a change of heart. I bet he did. I mean, I know that would change my perspective. It would change my attitude. During that vicious storm that threatened to sink the entire ship and kill everyone on board, the pagan crew prayed, but Jonah didn't. Being thrown overboard and now inside of a huge fish, suddenly God has his attention. And Jonah prays. He calls out to God. I guess being inside of, of a fish in the depths of the Mediterranean Sea has a way of changing one's perspective. As a dad, when dark times come in your life, challenging times, difficult times, painful times, what is your first response? You lose your job that you really love and you really need, what's your first response? Maybe you find yourself under a mountain of bills. You've been ambushed by several medical bills and then all of a sudden you have this serious car repair that comes out of nowhere and you're just not sure how you're gonna cover all of that. What's your first response? Or the doctor says, he wants to run some more tests. So you could tell that he doesn't look very happy. He looks concerned. And immediately there's this pit in your stomach. And that night you can't sleep. And the stress just seems to continue to build. What's your first response? When you face a crisis, how do you respond? Initially, Jonah was stubborn. He was really hard-headed. In fact, God said go here and he went in the opposite direction. He wasn't willing to answer God's call, but then when he found himself under serious pressure, facing death, it's then that he prays. One thing we can learn from Jonah is that when in a crisis, pray. When in a crisis, pray. King David would echo that. In Psalm 18, verse 3, he said, I called to the Lord, who is worthy of praise, 
and I have been saved from my enemies. The entire chapter of Psalm 18 is about God showing up on David's behalf. David faced physical death from his enemies, so he called out to God. Oftentimes, David was outnumbered, but God rescued him. When Jonah finally calls out to God, God rescued him too. Jonah was running away from God. David, on the other hand, was leaning into God. But either way, when both men prayed, God answered and rescued them. It's important to know that it doesn't matter where you are when you pray. It doesn't matter if you face challenges that you caused, like Jonah's, or someone else caused, like the challenges David faced. You can pray. Jesus promised at the end of the Great Commission, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And to fulfill that promise, he sent the Holy Spirit who lives in every believer who has surrendered their life and chosen to follow Jesus. No matter where you are or the circumstances that you face, God is always there and you can call on him. Jonah tells us that the reason he prayed was because he was in distress. And I'd say you'd be in some distress if you were trapped inside of a giant fish. He explains even further, though. He, he felt like he was dying. He uses a phrase. He says that the reason he prayed, he was from the, de from the deep in the realm of the dead. This phrase refers to a place Hebrew, the Hebrews called Sheol. That was the place of the dead, or the realm of the dead. If you were in Sheol, you were dead. This reference, though, could also be used to imply being near death. Like, I'm almost dead, or I'm dead, though you're still obviously alive. Jonah was certainly near death. And that caused him real distress, and so he prayed. And through the crisis, God finally got Jonah's attention. Wayne Smith often said, when you are lying flat on your back, you have nowhere to look but up. Jonah found himself in that spot. Jonah's down. He's headed towards Sheol. He's joining the realm of the dead. Nowhere for him to look except up. So he calls out to God. Let's be honest, that's his only lifeline remaining. You know, there are two things that motivate us to pray. There are many things that motivate us to pray, but there are two specific things that seem to resonate in this context. The first is this. Prayer, pray because your circumstances require it. Pray because your circumstances require it. Jonah was desperate. Being inside of this big fish could definitely cause one to be desperate. Unable to get out of it caused him to have this sense that he was doomed. And so he prayed. And God answered him. When you're in deep, deep trouble, pray to God. He will answer you. The second thing that motivates us to pray is pray because your faith needs it. Pray because your faith needs it. 
Pray every day. Why? Because I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I do know who holds tomorrow, and that's the Lord. So talk to him about what you're going through today and tomorrow and the next day. I should pray every day just to reset my focus on the reality that God is in control and he'll see me through it and my faith is strengthened by that. The result is there are going to be challenges that come every single day. Some great, some small. But God will help you through each and every one of them. The result is that your faith grows when you see God work. Your faith grows when you see God work. So pray. Pray when in a crisis and pray so that your faith grows. The second thing that we learn from Jonah in this text is to show God gratitude. Show God your gratitude. In verse nine, we read that, but I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. As Christians, none of us get what we deserve. The truth is, none of us get what we deserve. We were sinners, and without Jesus shed blood on the cross, washing our sins away, we would face eternity, doomed, separated from God. We should be very grateful people for one reason alone, and that is the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Jonah may still not be thrilled about God calling him to go and preach in Nineveh, but he's grateful for God saving him. Jonah praises God, then he promises to worship by sacrificing to God, and then he made a vow to the Lord. Maybe he promises to go to Nineveh and preach. He followed this promise to keep this vow by saying, I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And that sounds like something, someone who's going to be preaching repentance to the people of Nineveh that he might say. We're not sure what that vow was. But we do know Jonah was committed to keeping it. His word was his bond. He was going to see it through. These are all expressions. His praise, his willingness to sacrifice, making these this vow to God, or all expressions of Jonah's gratitude to the Lord for saving him. Dad, I want you to take time to let God know on a regular basis just how grateful you are for all that he has done for you. When you look at your wife or you look into the eyes of your children, you have much to be grateful for when you recognize that God has saved you Your family, they need to see you express your gratitude to God, and they'll be blessed by it. After Jonah had prayed, expressing his gratitude to God for saving him from certain death, then we read the favorite verse of every middle school boy who's ever lived. 
It's verse 10, and it says this. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Now, there's not a lot that is cool about vomit, unless you are a junior high boy, and you think this is very funny. But this, this is awesome. This moment here in verse 10 is really remarkable because it is a foreshadow of Jesus. We see the fish throwing up Jonah onto dry land, and it symbolizes Jonah's resurrection from the dead. Jonah symbolically died in the sea. He was swallowed by this fish, and he was resurrected onto the dry land by the fish vomit. And after his resurrection, Jonah was going, will go to Nineveh and he will actually fulfill the call that God gave to him to go there and preach against the wickedness, call the people to repentance. Jesus was asked by a religious leader one day for a sign that would irrefutably prove that God was behind him, that God had sent him. And we read this in Matthew, the 12th chapter, starting with verse 39, he answered, that's Jesus, a wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something greater than Jonah is here. This is a foreshadow because Jonah's resurrection points to a greater resurrection. Jonah's resurrection was significant because it saved the people of Nineveh, but this second resurrection, the one that is foreshadowed by Jonah's coming out of the fish is one that will save all of mankind. Jesus, after he lived and died and was resurrected from the grave by the Lord, that resurrection assures us of something very important. It's this. Jesus' resurrection proves that our salvation is real and that death no longer has power over us. The resurrection is real, and death has no authority any longer over us. If Jesus came back to life, came out of the tomb alive, then it proves death now has no power over us, and salvation is real. Death was defeated when Jesus rose from the grave. If you put your faith in Jesus, he will wash your sins away. And sin will no longer have authority over you. And you will have the promise of eternal life in heaven. Today is Father's Day. And we celebrate dads. And there is no better gift that you could give your dad than to surrender your life to Jesus and begin following Jesus as your Lord.
become part of his heavenly family. For a Christian dad, nothing is more valuable than knowing that your family will spend eternity with you in heaven. And dads, there's no better blessing that you could give your kids than to be the example of what it means to take that step of faith and begin following Jesus yourself. If you'd like to talk with someone about this, or you've got questions, or maybe you're ready to take that step of faith, you can send us a note to Notes to Monty, and we would love to follow up with you. Well, today, we have so many great dads with us, and uh, it's always exciting to get the, to tap into the examples of these incredible men of faith and So today, I've asked three of our dads, as I wrap this message up, dads who I have admiration for, who are at different stages of their parenting journey, and I've asked them to come together, and we're just going to talk a little bit about what it means to be a dad today, and how God works through uh, that role of being a dad And so I want to ask you to join me for this second part of the message as we sit down and have a frank conversation with some really great dads. Well, here we are. This is our panel, and I want to thank you guys for being part of uh, this part of the sermon. And I want to wish you, first of all, Happy Father's Day and grateful for each of you being a part of this. Uh, We want you to just kind of relax, be as comfortable as possible. Uh, Hopefully, you know, you don't stress over this. So we did a couple things. First of all, initially, we planned to have four recliners out here, kind of a man cave kind of thing, but then we priced recliners, and so we're going with lawn chairs. Uh, It was a little more in our budget. And so we moved from the man cave out to the kind of the woods and thought, well, we'll just make it kind of you know, like a camp out. And so I brought some, uh, I brought some sodas uh, that I'll share with you guys. Thank you, and, uh, you. and there you go, man. Thank you. And just uh, want you to, you know, kind of take it easy and relax a little bit. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, yeah, whatever. Go ahead and uh, enjoy that. And then we did put some dogs on the, uh, on the grill, and uh, so look at this. They're already in the paper, and uh, how does that happen, right? Okay, and uh, so we'll, uh, we'll enjoy a little hot dog, a little, you know, I think somebody told me one time that, you know, food is very disarming, so it helps, uh, helps us to kind of just relax and take it easy, so enjoy that. Mustard. I, yeah. I think it's on Catch there already. <laughs> yeah, I think it's on there already. Uh, let, me, uh, let me introduce uh, everybody here for the folks that are joining us. Uh, over here on my far right is Jared Polson. He is the uh, father of, er- uh, he is the husband of Ariel, right? Sorry about that. And uh, the dad to Avery, who's a year and a half old. Right. And you have another one on the way, right? Yes. In uh, August, I think, going to be here. And it's a boy. It's a little boy. It's a boy. So congratulations to you and Ariel on that. 
Thank you, thank you. And uh, God bless you, right? And then uh, next, uh, Jared is Robert Lewis. He's uh, married to Charlize, and they have a 12-year-old daughter, Chloe, who uh, I met with, I met her the other night, just talking with her a little bit, and her mom, and and she's a, uh, she's a big personality, as we were saying. She's a blessing. She is a lot like her dad, right, in, in some ways. But what a great kid, man. You were really blessed. And then uh, Mike, this is Mike Levan, and he is husband of Amy. And they have a 21-year-old, soon-to-be 22-year-old, Garrett, just graduated from uh, Transylvania University. And so... Uh, let me, be the, let me just say to you guys, happy Father's Day. It's, uh, it's great to have you be a part of this. Um, I want to ask some questions, and uh, just because I think as dads, uh, sometimes Father's Day gets overlooked. Sometimes Father's Day is a sermon that kind of just says, here's all the things you're doing wrong, right? <laughs> and... Uh, and we thought maybe we'd do it a little bit different. We just maybe we did the sermon part, the first part of this uh, message, but then the second half here, just let's talk about what it's like being a dad, you know? And uh, I thought maybe the first question would be fun to, you know, what, what was the one thing, I'll, I'll go to you, Jared, since you're the, the newest dad here, right? Uh, what's the one thing that when you became a dad kind of surprised you, maybe surprised you the most? Yeah, I think a lot of things. Uh, I never knew I had quite the temper until 4 a.m. at night when baby wakes up and uh, doesn't want to go back to sleep. So that's the one thing. Um, <laughs> another thing I feel kind of awkward saying because I'm the younger one here, a year and a half in, it goes by really quickly. I feel like she was just born yesterday and she's a year and a half and toddling around and being everywhere. Um, and then probably something you hear a lot, just how much you love your daughter or son or your, your children. Yeah. I always heard that before I had children, like it's, it's a different kind of love. And, you know, once she was born and as she continues to grow up, it's just like, I don't love anyone else like I love Avery. Um, so that's, I think, I, I I heard that coming in, but then once you actually experience it, it's, it's unlike anything else. So that's yeah. what I would say. Yeah, it is hard to, to grasp that, isn't it, until you walk in it, and then you're like, yeah, I'll take a bullet for her. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Robert, what about you? Was, what stood out to you, kind of surprised you about being a dad? Well, first, let me say happy Father's Day to you. You said it to <laughs> us, but you. we never got thank an opportunity you. to say it to you. But yeah, thanks, man. This is kind of like a three-part answer for me, three answers for me. Number one is that I, I am even a father. You know, I struggles with infertility. Mm. Um, you know, I never knew that I would even be a dad. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's one. The second one is, you know, just how much, it surprises me how much kids soak in. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, how much they, they learn and, and watch you. And, you know, wow. <laughs> it's like. Right. And then I guess the, the last thing would be I've always heard about the relationship between a father and a daughter, yeah. but I, it just surprises me of how much or how real that is yep. and how much my daughter is me, you know, minus masculinity, but she yeah. is me. <laughs> so yeah. all of those things surprise me, but <clears throat> excuse me, one, it's just... 
being a father because I never yeah. thought that I ever would be. So Yeah, well, we're glad you are, man, because yeah. uh, as I said, Chloe's such a great kid and, you know, a precious yeah. gift. And you know that. You just know how even more uh, valued she was, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know anything about that, Mike? <laughs> yeah. You mean loving your son? Yeah. Not yeah. so much. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, what was, the, what was the thing about uh, when you became a dad that kind of surprised you? Anything stand out? I don't know about when I became a dad because those answers are great. Uh, right. Jared's absolutely right. I mean, you fall. Uh, there's a, a famous psychiatrist once said, you don't just love your children. Yeah. You fall in love with them. And you're experiencing that every single day until they become a teenager, and then we'll see how it goes. <laughs> I've heard, I've heard. And much like yeah, Robert, yeah, too, uh, yeah. I had issues with having children, too. And we even had doctors tell us that maybe you should think about adoption right? because it just wasn't going to happen. Um, but then through the, you know, the grace of God and the work of a lot of good doctors, um, we understand how fortunate and blessed we are just to have a son. Right? And what has probably surprised me the most through this whole you know, 21, 22-year journey is how easy he has made it on us. And I say that very cognizant of, of families that have struggled uh, with maybe not having children or not having a good relationship with their son or their daughter, but he has made our life really, really easy. And nowadays that seems out of the norm. Right? So, and I, I attribute a lot of that to Amy and for all the work she did, but even people such as uh, Nathan Zimmerman, who really poured into Garrett while he was here. And then mm -hmm. once Garrett got into college, Micah really worked with him as well just to try to keep him on the straight and narrow. So um, there were a lot of people that were undoing all the wrong things I was doing, um, and it made life with him much easier than probably it should have been. Yeah, I know, you're, I know your nature is to make a joke about things, but... I know for a fact that you were not making mistakes on him like you give yourself credit for. I mean, let's be honest, if Micah's leading him, you know, yeah, that's a blessing, right? Hey, you know, one thing I would say in all of this, you know, we recognize the collaboration with our wives and, and just how, you know, indispensable uh, mom is in this context, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, big shout out to our wives in, in the blessing that they are. They, they do make us look good a lot of times in the sense of, you know, um, as a dad. But um, I, I was wondering, you know, Mike, I'll start with you this time. Um, when you think about guys who might be watching this and they're, they're question is, you know, what, what can I learn from these guys? What's the best piece of advice that you would give to maybe a new dad? Let's just, let's focus on that. I'll, I'll say this. Kids are exhausting, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> exhausting. And they've got some type of a sense to them where the more tired you are, the more they want to play with you, right? The longer the day you have, when you walk through that door, the more they just want to jump on you and climb on you or even at four in the morning right? when they're hollering your name, not your wife's name, but it's always your name at four in the morning. Right? So the advice that I would give you is this, enjoy it every second that you have because you will not have that time again. Those 4 a.m., just where well, you just sit there and you hold them until they fall asleep again. You lose that 
really quickly. Right? Mm. So enjoy every second of every day that you have with them. Yeah, good, good advice. Robert? I would probably say just be your child's biggest fan, yeah. and, and then they won't have to look for people to you know, give them approval. You know, like my daughter and I have a great relationship. She knows what to expect in a man when she's older. Mm -hmm. So be your child's biggest fan. Mm -hmm. You know, we know how fans are, right? We have passionate <laughs> fans in this state, right? Right. You know right. that, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and so we, we feel like we can tell the cats what they're doing wrong and what they're right. doing right. right. That's so what if I'm my child's biggest fan, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm already teaching and yeah. discipling her. So I guess it would be, you know, be your child's biggest fan, but also be your, be the, uh, you create the discipleship in your, yeah, between you and right, your child. Man. That's right. Yeah. You're the first line of yeah. defense and offense yeah. with your kid's growth in the, in the Lord. Yeah. Do you have anything else you're going to add? No. Okay. Good. <laughs> okay. Okay. So you've been a dad a whole year and a half. And really, so typically, you know, once gestation starts, it's nine months. So it's a little over two years, right? right, right. So you're already in that. So with the vast wisdom that you have, what would you tell a guy who's about ready to have their first yes. child? With all of my vast wisdom, a year yeah. and a half in, um, I'm going to go to my parents for, for advice. Mm -hmm. um, I, I feel like quality time is always something that's talked about a lot. Um, and I think that's important, but... Uh, my dad, especially, and since it's Father's Day, it, it relates. He always said, I think quantity, t quantity of time is just as important, mm -hmm. just being with your kids as much mm -hmm. as possible. And growing up, I was blessed to have great parents. And, mm -hmm. you know, any memory I have, both of them were right there. They're always with us. My yeah. dad goes to work, and then he comes home. And, you know, now that I'm a dad, I realize there's a lot of other things that you can fill your schedule with, yeah. with work and friends and hobbies and all kinds of things. Um, but I think I'm blessed to see my parents' example of that, of always just being there. And, and now that I have a, a daughter and a son on the way, I realize it's pretty easy because you, you do love your kids that much. Um, but just being there as much as you can for them, being with them, um, you know, doing those quality type of things, but also just being there in the mundane, the daily, um, is something I learned from my parents. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, if I tied up all of what you guys said together, I would say that your kids need to know that when everybody else has kind of abandoned them, that you're going to be there, right? And that's, that's agape love because they will, Mike's right, when they, there comes a point when they're teenagers and you are the dumbest person on the planet, right? Um, but they need to know you love them, right? And especially you guys with uh, daughters, you better, you just hug them every day so that they, they know that. And man, that's a great, that's a great privilege to get to do that. And uh, I'll, I do remember the time, the first time my dad told me he loved me. I'll never forget that. It, and I was in college when he did, because my dad wasn't a touchy feely kind of guy at all until he got later in life. And then it was all just Man, I love, you know, it was, it was, you know, I love you, man. You know, it's the beer commercials, right? And, but uh, it, it meant so much to me as a kid. And I remember thinking, I want to make sure my kids know that, you know. So, um, Robert, well, since you're the, uh, you, you're the preacher, 
in, in, the, in the panel. Um, if you were to say, you know, and, and I know we could see God at work in our, in our lives as a father in a lot of different ways, but what kind of stands out to you if I, you know, in that idea of how have you seen God kind of helping you be the father that you've become? Well, I mean, when we submit to him, his will, his lordship, I mean, it kind of falls right in line as us being fathers and me being a father. You know, I'm, I'm submitting to God and, and understanding that he's having patience with me. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's taking what I'm giving and, and still loving me in spite of what that may be. Mm-hmm. And so just watching, you know, how God works things out in the scripture and as it relates to our lives, you know, I see that same translation as a father to my mm-hmm. family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just being, having that same patience when, when my daughter may mess up, you mm-hmm. know, or when she may do something right. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled. Just like our father is thrilled with us. So just, just knowing that we have a, a loving father <laughs> who, in spite of what we do, in spite of our mess up, and our hangups, you know, he still loves us. Yeah. I mean, how can you not want to, to have that same attitude towards your children? Yeah. And I, if, oh, I know my daughter knows that because she tells me, you know, every now and again, she'll have a, a question or two that's about the Bible and right. we'll have a, about an hour talk. <laughs> This happens every so often. And, and I know when the Bible says train up a child in the way uh, that he would go and when he's old, he won't depart from, from it, mm. I know that's to be the truth because yeah. as a little child, we always wanted to make sure that our daughter knew that there was a love beyond ours. Yeah. And so we, we would you know, encourage her through the word, and she's coming back with those same things. And I know that's going to continue, so... Do you ever go, uh, ask your mom? I'm not sure. No, because it's, when she comes, it's always, mommy told me to ask you <laughs> because you're the preacher. Exactly. Because <laughs> you're the preacher. That's right, man. That's so, right. no, yeah. I never get a chance to say, go back to your mom. Because she, really, she goes yeah. to mom first, and then mom yeah. just says, come to yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, what would you say? I mean, you, I, know you, I know you've been doing this a long time, but um, where, where do you see God at work in you as a dad. Yeah, well, Robert is absolutely spot on with what he was saying. And honestly, I can't add a whole lot to that. But one thing that um, I might be able to say is, you know, all those nights where maybe you're just holding your son or you're holding your daughter and maybe you're just comforting them or you're trying to get them to fall asleep, but you're there and you're holding them and you, know, you just have your arms wrapped around them. Mm-hmm. A lot of times God does that for us as dads, mm-hmm. right? To where we may screw up or we may, you know, treat our kid in a way that we probably shouldn't have said something we shouldn't have and you know and you feel absolutely horrible about that um, that's when you can really feel that God comes down to you yeah. and he kind of wraps his arm around you and he says it's going to be okay yeah right because there are times where I've uh, some of the worst things I've probably ever you know is a baseball coach right these <laughs> things you say to your kids that you wouldn't say to anybody else or uh, you just look it back and you go why? And you just, it just kind of eats you up. But yeah. God's there just to say, 
It's okay. You'll yeah. be all right. Yeah, experiencing the grace of God in that lane of when we're a parent, right? Because yeah. there's nothing worse than thinking, oh, have I messed up my kid, right? Uh, I'm not, I'm, I never had that feeling. I'm just saying for a friend who mentioned it to me, right? But that's true. The grace of God is there to help, uh, help us and repair those, those things. So, Jared, how would you answer that question? Yeah, I mean, I would ditto both, both of uh, Robert and Mike's comments. Um, I, I think just, you know, being a recent dad, just kind of getting a a small glimpse of that unconditional love that we talk about that God has for us. Um, You know, it's so easy to get mad at at your kid and for, for small reasons here and there, but like just right away, you're just right back to loving them wholeheartedly, unconditionally. Um, So it's just a lot of lessons are learned. I think I feel like early as a dad um, and just kind of ripping away that selfishness that we all kind of have inside of us. Um, you know, you, you get that a little bit with marriage when you got to be a little less selfish. And then I feel like mm-hmm. once you have a kid or two, it becomes even the next level. And, but it's cool. Like God just kind of puts your mindset towards your kids and like, I want what's best for them. I'm going to leave aside things that, you know, are best for me. And then I care more about someone else than myself. Um, and that's, I feel like not human nature, but that comes from, comes from God and, and the way he loves us. So I think that's all I would add to, to their answers. Yeah, you guys, uh, you do bring a lot of insight into what it means to be a dad and, uh, you know, different stages of the journey. Uh, You know, Mike uh, Garrett just graduated and, uh, you know, kind of dealing with some of the empty nest, maybe not initially, but that's coming. And then you're right on the cusp of a teenager. (laughs) Yeah, God bless you. We're going to pray over you here. No, being a teenager is a new set of challenges, but need, they needed dad every bit during that season. And, man, you were, you were really in some of the funnest parts of life, even though it's a lot of labor-intensive, right? But uh, what a great blessing. I'm so grateful to you guys to be a part of this and to share, you know, a little bit of your experience with the folks that are tuning in. I'm grateful for that. Um, I know that a lot of people who have uh, tuned in to, you know, the service today are grateful for their dads and uh, for the way that he loved you, you know, he supported you, he influenced you. Maybe you even were grateful for his dad jokes, um, maybe just a little bit. Humor him, okay? Um, if it's possible, I want to encourage you to check in with your dad today. Uh, let him know how grateful you are for him. I, I hope, you know, if, if, if you can, uh, take him to lunch or dinner or cook for him or maybe take him out for ice cream. Or If, if distance is, is a problem, you can't get with him, then, you know, take some time and give him a call or FaceTime with him. But just be sure to let Dad know just how thankful you are for him on Father's Day this year. Uh, we, are, we are so grateful for you joining us today on this special Father's Day uh, service. And uh, I hope that you'll join us again next week, either at our live in-person service at 1045 or here online again at 9 or 1045. And in the meantime, may God richly bless you and have a happy Father's Day. 
Well, hey, again, thanks for tuning in today as we continue our Jonah series. And, um, and we're so grateful that you've carved out time. But listen, if God is stirring something inside of you and you'd like to, to take a next step, you'd like to talk with somebody, pray with somebody, then you can drop us a note in the comments right now and we'll have somebody reach out. Or you can go to ncclex.org connect and we'll follow up with you there. But whatever your next step is, and we would love to just walk alongside you in that. Now listen, every week we kind of wrap up talking about one more way to worship, and that's through generosity. You know, every time we gather, we worship through through, uh, through music or through scripture, through communion, a message, and, and today some, some fun times with Father's Day, but, but we always wrap up with generosity because it reminds us that it's not all about this gathering. It's not all about this place. It's about getting beyond ourselves and joining God in the work he's doing in our community and beyond. And so when you give, no matter how you do, whether it's on the Church Center app or online or in the mail, uh, you're a part of propelling the mission of Northeast to the 40509 and beyond. And we're so grateful that you do. So listen, uh, we're so grateful that you've tuned in, that you've carved out time. Again, happy Father's Day. We can't wait to see you back real soon. And uh, you can follow us on social to keep in touch with all that's happening at Northeast. Have a great week, and we'll see you real soon.